Screen recording, we're recording, we're minimizing, and we are live. Stephen Walker, welcome back, my friend. How are you? Fantastic. Yeah, good to be back. Good to be back. It's got the sign in the background, the new gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's going okay. Looking shredded and lean, healthy, tanned. That's not uh, exaggerate, but thanks. I'm, I'm jealous. Raining today, so yeah. But like I say, I picked a hell of a year to move to another country, right? You know, the one year that England has fantastic summer weather, and of course, uh, yeah, we were first in lockdown. You were the first. Well, we were we were two weeks ahead of the UK, I think, to go into lockdown, and this was full on lockdown with three types of police: uh, the Guardia Civil, the Policia Loco, and the Policia Nacional patrolling the streets. So this was full on. I felt like I was in V for Vendetta. Have you seen that film? I haven't, but I know which one you mean. Uh, yeah, it's pretty... We can use that as a cover image. Stuff. Yeah, I like it. The reason you're on, mate, is because I love you. But the other reason you're on, again, is uh, <laughs> because um, your new gym and your success in, by the way of, uh, you know, your personal training, the way that you've achieved what you've managed to achieve, uh, the way you've managed to complete your dream or one part of your dream and get your new gym and set that up. And uh, I, I know that in the past we've spoken about specific things in terms of fitness and your journey, etc. I think on this one, or, or like tips to different people, I think on this one it would be great if you could teach people or kind of tell people about your story of how you, how you became a personal trainer, how you became a successful personal trainer, and then how you took that to the next level and managed to uh, become a successful gym owner. I think that would be fantastic in this one. So take us back to where it all started and just guide us on this journey from where you began to where you are now. Well, I'm going to try my hardest not to go off a complete tangent because basically what you've asked for is do my it. life story. Yeah, do so it. I was, um, okay, once upon a time. No, um, so I was a kid that had eczema, asthma, allergies, um, got bullied a lot, nearly died from an asthma attack at the age of 10. I was a kid that would sit in his classroom with blood coming for his school t-shirt because the eczema was so bad it scratched and it would bleed um i had body dysmorphic issues that i didn't know what it was at the time but growing up being a mixed race having a very dominant nose very thick hair i used to try and slick my hair down so i was very uncomfortable with my own skin uh long story short didn't have my first girlfriend until i was 19 i wasn't exactly what you call the alpha male growing up i was i was a shy kid i was a sensitive kid i would drink whiskey from my bedside table at 15 years old to get to sleep smoke a spliff out the window. And I used to write poetry because I had all these emotions going on. And, but I could never get a girlfriend. I would dream about getting a girlfriend. I would dream about having a smaller nose and changing all these features. And when I got a girlfriend, my life was going to be great. Suffice to say, it turned out that a girlfriend isn't the answer to all your own problems. <laughs> but I went to a gym one day when I was 16. I'd grown up watching Arnie, Van Damme, Sly Stallone, all of these alpha males, right? And I noticed they all had a lot, of, a lot in common. They looked a certain way. They carried themselves a certain way. And interestingly, I noticed when it came to women as well, they weren't going like, oh, hi, would you want to go on a date with me? They, you know, they, it was ironic. They, they seemed to not care about getting women. So therefore, they got loads of women. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, so I started joining a gym, started getting muscles, you know, 16, 17, and started getting a bit more attention. And then I kind of realized that my health started to improve. And then I went on a, a journey to not only physically strengthen my body, but I actually saw emotional vulnerability 
as weakness. So having the ability to emotionally connect. I was always the guy that was listening to the couples that were kind of split up and being, you know, the shoulders to cry on. I was never the one that had the girlfriend. I was always the one that was trying to help the girls out and this, that, the other. And then I, one day, a guy called Danny Chinnick from my rugby group, right? He was a freaking arsehole. He was a proper arsehole, treated women like shit, but always had the best-looking girlfriends. And I thought, hold up. <laughs> He's got something here. What is it? And it was just that, you know what? He didn't get too emotionally invested. He had that kind of cool calmness. The old treat and mean, keep and keen thing, which... So I forced myself to bury the emotional stuff and become this hardened, ice-cold alpha male. Um, I don't know if I can carry on the rest of the journey, but basically that led me to getting into personal training and eventually becoming a fireman, um, being a security guard, having people pull guns on the door of a nightclub when I was 18 years old, trying to look double hard. Basically, anything that scared me, I did. I was a butler in the buff. I was a stripper. I did a reality TV show. I even, I even presented a gay TV channel, which, you know, <laughs> for a straight guy, was an experience. Yeah. Um, so I've done all kinds of weird and wacky stuff, but it led me on a journey to kind of, I don't know, to grow, grow physical confidence. But it also meant that at one point I pushed too hard, become completely emotionally disconnected, and actually that ended up being a kind of a negative thing for me. Yeah, so I was just wondering what those people were doing in the background. As well. It sounds like they were moving house. Um, yeah, I think they've driven hard. off now, haven't they? Yeah. Um, I, I really wanted to ask you about, let's say there's some guys out there that really want to be personal trainers. They're looking at you. They see that you've completed the end goal of like successful personal trainer that now owns his own gym, you know, and the world's your oyster. How do they get started? Obviously, they, they need to get qualified, but like how, how did you get your first clients? Like how did you go about saying, okay, I'm going to prove to people that I can get them in the shape they want to be in. Yeah. Okay. This is it's a really good question. And there's probably a few answers to it. One around kind of psychology and one more around just, you know, the kind of physical appearance that I built. The interesting thing was, is that I qualified as a personal trainer nine on 20 years ago. And I actually did what most personal trainers do is I quit after a year of doing it because I couldn't make any money. Because I valued myself as being £7.50, £10 an hour. In fact, I once worked in a hairdresser for £10 for a day. <laughs> a full day work, right? So I, that was how I saw my value. So then when I had to train, charge people £30, £40, £50 an hour, you know, I was getting paid 10 quid an hour to work a door. It seemed like so much. And I didn't have the confidence to do it. I didn't essentially have the confidence to sell myself as an entity because I saw it as such a big, big thing, Right. So then I went on a journey, and I actually read a book called The Game by Neil Strauss. Which Have you heard of it before? Yeah, yeah. It comes up all the time, obviously, in the field that I'm in. Everybody brings it up. Well, okay, well, so there we go. So I read this book, The Game, about seducing women. And the interesting thing was I inadvertently learned a lot about psychology for it. I learned how to build rapport with people, things like keynote. So having a chat with somebody and taking them from one position to another created something called a false time constraint, which actually made them feel like they'd been with you for longer. So I get a client in the gym, I have a quick chat with them, let's go into the other room, we'll do measurements. So I take them into the other room, and now I'm in control of the whole scenario. So they're starting to inadvertently put trust in me. And then as I'm talking to them, lots of taps on the arms, obviously not looking at it, but tapping them on the arm, building keynotes, so they feel more comfortable. And I think this is a really powerful tool, especially when you work in a city like, say, London, you know, there's that saying, isn't there? Um, surrounded by people but feeling alone. Yeah. You work in the city of London, nobody, nobody touches each other. That sounds a bit weird, but nobody touches each other. Nobody really engages. You're surrounded by people, but there's no connection. 
So when you're in a gym and you're actually just tapping somebody in the arm, giving them a pat on the back, making them feel human, it's amazing the level of rapport that builds. And then I realized that, you know what, it's, it's very much about just creating value. So some personal trainers would say, I'll never give away a free session. Terrible idea. It's all about building, building rapport, you know. You, recipro- you get reciprocate. Um, that was really poorly articulated. But basically, it's kind of you're giving to get. You're building rapport. You're giving somebody a free taste of what you do, and then naturally they're likely to reciprocate by signing up for a session. But also it's about getting into the psychology and making sure that you know you know that person's real reason for going on a plan. If somebody wants to do um, a weight loss plan, it's a guy, he doesn't want to lose five kilos because it's good for his health. You know, you know this, all our first man viewers will know this. The guy wants to lose five kilos because he feels uncomfortable in his own skin. He, he doesn't want to take his top off. If he, if he ever does meet a girl and he's in you know, his boxer shorts, he feels uncomfortable. Um, he might be having back issues. I mean, there's so many different things, so many different reasons why the guy wants to lose that five kilos. And you've got to peel away at the layers and you've got to be able to smell the beer. So when someone says, oh, yeah, because I just want to be healthier, okay, right, why do you really want to lose the five kilos? You know what, because I, I went playing with my four-year-old son the other day and I picked him up my back hurt. Right, we're getting to yeah. something now. We're getting to yeah. more attention. I, I like that. Yeah, man. I could say... It's, 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 your industry is very much sales, isn't it, at the start? Yeah. You're kind of finding the reason why they either want to buy, the reason they've been coaxed into this, the reason somebody's pushed them there, you know. And it's, it's usually because something went wrong. It's very rarely somebody turns to a personal trainer or let's say like a hair loss specialist or a life coach if their life's going well or something's going right. You know, it's usually the people that something's gone wrong, they've turned for advice or help and they find, you know, they find yourself. Um, in terms of your body, cause I, I've heard a lot of people say before that in, it, when I was doing personal training, when I was like 19 and I asked yeah. this personal trainer who'd been in the industry a long time, I was like, how do I get clients? And he was like, build some muscles, you pussy. And I was like, okay, that's <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but at the same time he wasn't wrong. Cause I was like very lean and I was training a lot of women. Um, but I thought like later on in life, I realized that as I got bigger, when I was in the same gym as you, you know, back in the day, um, a lot of guys would come over, shake your hand and just be like, you're getting bigger. What are you doing? What's your training? You know, that sort of thing. If you were a personal trainer, that would have been like seven, eight clients from just walking around. You're, you're, you're your own billboard. You know what I mean? You're a walking advertisement. Yeah. Does that matter yeah. a lot? Is it as important? Absolutely. So, cause I'm sat out of the street every once in a while, a car or freaking a little, lot of these little yeah, pop-up right, scooters. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a lesson in human psychology there. Because why is it always the little blokes that make all the noise? The same with scooters, the 50 cc like giant mosquitoes. Anyway, um, I digress. Um, what's the question? <laughs> I, I forgot. I was hoping you wouldn't ask me. <laughs> no, it was to do with um Looking a certain way. Yeah, the muscles, yeah. Do you, do you, as, as a male trainer specifically, like, because women, they build up, you know, big glutes, they build up a fat ass, and then every girl wants to train with them. And it, is it the same for men? Is it like, do you need to just build those guns and then oh, you're off, you know, everyone yeah. wants to train with you? Yeah. You know, I heard a saying, which I thought was really freaking good. I don't know if you call it a saying, but it's um, people like people who are like them or how like, or like how they want to be. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think... If you can combine the both, then you're on to winner. So one thing, my, my dad's a vicar. This is going to sound like a really weird uh, segue, but my dad's a vicar. So what does a vicar do? He 
speaks to people from all walks of life and he preaches about his faith and he, you know, he, he conveys a message across, but he has to build rapport with everybody. So inadvertently as a kid, I learned to build rapport with people. I learned to adapt and almost, if someone's talking a bit like this geezer, I'll talk a bit like that geezer. And I didn't even realise until I studied psychology, but that's how you build rapport with people. It's called mirroring. So I, I would mirror people. So if something's very eloquent, then I would speak very clearly to them. So again, I'm, I'm getting on their energy level. So that's the like them part. But I'm also taking care of the how they want to be part by looking a certain way, by building this very powerful, shredded, masculine alpha physique, big chest and all this kind of stuff. Now, I can say this not in an arrogant way because this is like my shell. It's like a product. It's like there's me and then there's like what I drive around in, which is the body. So what I would do is I would pick most of my clients up, pick guys up in the gym, in the uh, changing room. And 50% of my clients Again, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Beautiful moment. I still remember. Um, in the changing rooms or working out in the gym, because if I'm not wearing a PT top and I mean, and I'm dressed like everybody else, I'm going to come in under the radar. They're not, they're not going to expect me to try and offer the PT. So I'm going to train next to them, and I'll give them a few little technique tips while I'm working out of them, build some rapport, and I say, oh, by the way, I'm a personal trainer. If you want some help, and that's a lot easier way of getting a client when everybody else in PT tops is coming up to them. They're, they're used to just going, oh, leave me alone, mate. I don't want to spend money. And then if you're in the changing rooms. Just start a conversation. You stood there, you know, so well, in the mirror, and just happened to be, you know, just do a little stroll around, you know, just you know, put your children on, puff your chest up. As you're training, go, mate, oh, yeah, not too bad, mate. All right, what, what are you training for? So your little, your hook. Yeah, oh, I just, yeah. I just want to build a bit of muscle. All right, mate. And, um, and you're doing lots of weight training, and you know they're not. You know, most blokes trying to lose weight are just doing cardio. Yeah. Um, yeah, doing loads of cardio. Oh, right. Did you know that? Bomb, bomb, bomb. Give a bit of science. Build report. Book them in. And that was, yeah, that was my little, one of my one of my best techniques. I've got loads that I can give you, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, well, but so, yeah, that, that was one of my best You get to the point where, you know, you, you're established. I don't know how old you would be at that time, but you've got, you know, a steady amount of money coming in. Let's say it's not breaking yeah. the bank, but it's enough to say, look, it's a business. We've got something here. We can grow. How how did you evolve to the next stage? What was how did you step up? Hmm. I think I think it was from a hunger and from a dissatisfaction of what I could deliver. So what I mean by that, it was it was a hunger to be able to deliver deliver more to my clients because there were clients that would slip through the net. There were the clients that no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't get the results for. And then I started to realize through listening to, you know, audio books and people like, you know, Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar and all those people that had that inspirational mindset. And I realized that, you know what, it's all well and good, beastly people in the gym, but you need the accountability outside of the gym, which I got when I competed as a bodybuilder for mentors, et cetera. But you also need that, you need to get into the mindset. And I was frustrated I couldn't do that. So I started learning more about the mindset. And then when I did I for wait a minute, I could speak to entrepreneurs and business people, started moving out as a speaker and started kind of changing my profile in that respect from more than just from a beefcake to a beast you in a gym to somebody that's looking at more holistically with a mindset and you know, nutrition and the rest of it really. So how, how did you then go, because when I met you, you were charging like a lot of money, right? For top level clients, like CEOs yeah. in London and stuff, you thief. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> how did you bridge to that point? Is it just professionalism? Like what was the difference between you making money with a decent amount of clients? Like you said, the beefcake. And then is it the, like kind of the completeness, the intelligence that comes with it? Is that what like these big, because that's what people want to do. Anybody wants to be a personal trainer, wants to yeah. either get to you know, high performance clients in the business world, or they want celebrities. 
you know, and you, you kind of mastered that field. And I just want to know, like, how you bridge that final hurdle for that, those big bucks. Well, I would say I, I, I can do more. And I, there, there's still a long way to go in my business. I, I would by no means consider myself to have mastered it. But there are certain, I, got, I got to a decent level, you know. My understanding is most personal trainers last one year in the business before quitting. And 1% maybe make 60, 70, 80 grand plus. And I managed to move into the 1% whatever bracket, which was good. Um, coaching, investing in myself. I actually went on a course called The Millionaire Mind by a guy called T. Harvecker. And it was all about um, one of the lessons they taught me was called the jar system. And it was like you'd have seven different bank accounts. And one of them, 10% of your money you'd spend on education. So I started, I've got seven bank accounts in my Barclays account. And one of them purely is for education. The 10% of my money always goes into that. And I spend it on audio books. I spend it on seminars. I spend it on learning new stuff. And as I did that, part of the lesson was I invested in a very expensive mentor. Now, I'm not going to lie. It broke the bank. It was a few grand a month I was paying his mentor. It was a lot of, lot of money. But because of the pressure that I put on myself by, A, giving him the money, and, and just, B, just having to assimilate all this information as quick as possible was on a time scale. I learned new ways of doing business. I, I learned that you're not selling personal training. I never was selling personal training. You know, if I said to you, um, give me 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 pounds an hour sometimes to spend an hour with me and go around a gym, you're going to be like, F off, mate. A gym membership is 50, 60 quid a month. Um, I can go with my training partner and pay him nothing. You know, why am I going to go with you? I'm, I might work out a little bit harder. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. I'm not doing that. I'm going to take a client into a nice restaurant. I'm going to sit down with them. I'm going to get in their environment. I'm going to do a full appraisal on what that person wants from their life. And if there are enough reasons, you know, things that I can improve someone's life expectancy, they've had back pain for years, which has cost them a fortune. Um, you know, you name it. Um, again, as I say, wanting to, wanting to play with your kids, um, not having a girlfriend for two years, as many different things that you can fix for your coaching. You're then basically stacking the value so freaking high that when I say to somebody two, three, four grand, but I'm solving all of these problems, if you do it right, they'll bite your hand off. But if you say, I'm getting you in shape, mate, and I'm going to charge you 50 pound an hour like everybody else, no, you know what? No, I'm all right. So it's just understanding it and getting to that point. And that's what I learned from my mentor. Turned out to be a bit of a bastard and ran away with a load of our money. So he was really good at getting work, you know, really getting money. Good but lesson, yeah. I learned that. I did learn that core concept, and it's paid massive dividends that, you know what? I'm not a personal trainer. I'll get out of the gym. I'll dress smart. I'll go into their environment like a business meeting. And I'll sit down and I'll speak to a client and I you know, will go through what their real pain points are. And if I can solve all of those, that has a value to it. You should write a book on this, mate. I was thinking the entire time you were saying that you should either do a video or like a course or um, for specifically personal trainers or you should, you should write a book. Because that kind of those pain points, it's, it's like a sales book. People yeah. love them. And I think if you tied that to personal yeah. training... Yeah, you'd nail yeah. it. Do you think there's um, any like ageism in the industry? Do you think like when you come in as let's say an 18 year old guy who's shredded, you know, good looking, look like the Justin Bieber type with abs, people are like, well, you know, you're young. But do you think if once you get into like your 30s, because in the business world, once you hit hit 30 and above, you make more deals, mm-hmm. people take you more seriously. You know, life's just easier in general. Is it the same with personal training? Like, can you get to those? I guess you can get to those. Um, higher paying clients because they're usually older aren't they you know most people 
highest earning potential in their like 40s and stuff. So do you, did you feel as you got older, it was easier to acquire clients, to, like kind of just stick in there? You know, uh, it's, it's interesting. As you were speaking to, speaking to me then, I actually suddenly thought, wait a minute, what I said earlier about people were like them or how they want to be, there aren't many uh, um, very, very, well, it might be now, but there aren't a huge percentage of massively affluent 20-year-olds. Yeah. So, but there are in their mid-30s, you know, coming up to 40s, which I am. So straight away, how they are. So I can, I can connect with them perhaps on the age level and all this kind of stuff. You've got a commonality, you can build rapport. So perhaps that's a big reason. Um, and then, of course, I am, you know, at the age where a lot of guys would say, you've got to be taking steroids, you've got to be taking testosterone, but still building muscle. So they can kind of, I guess they can kind of, what's the word? They can, they can buy into what I'm selling it as it were. Uh, but also, with regards to that question, um, I think it's down to confidence. So when I was 21, 22, 23, they would, uh, they, I would speak to them about personal training, and it would be just like the scared little guy chatting to the attractive girl on a dance. I'd be like, um, uh, would you like personal training? And they'd be like, uh, no, nah, I'm probably all right. How much, how much is it, mate? And when somebody says how much is it, straight off the bat, whatever you say is too much. Yeah. I can say it's a pound and oh, yeah, not too much, mate. Um, so, yeah. So, and I, so I'd say, yeah, it's I'll be like, it's 30 pound a session. Yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, mate. Whereas now I'm like, you know what, 60, 70, 80, you know, I've got, I've got a guy in New York, I charge, you know, it's a bit crude to talk about money, but well over that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just say, well over that. Um, for an hourly rate, he gets massive value. Um, and I, I love coaching him, but I, I do it for confidence because I know that I'm bringing the value that I'm, I'm charging. I'm, I'm confident in my abilities. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, by way of like kind of, let's say the the niche that you're in, do you think people should kind of target everybody and just throw a blanket over it and say anybody who wants to get fit, get fit? Or do you think, and this is something I would do if I was doing personal training now, is I would say I'm a men's lifestyle coach from what I do on a daily oh, yeah. basis. I do men's lifestyle training. I know about testosterone, NoFap, all these areas. If I combine them together, I can provide a holistic approach for men between these ages. Is that something you'd recommend to kind of go after everybody or go after a specific group and kind of be, be looked at as the expert within that age range, field, gender, whatever it might be? Well, firstly, if you do, do decide to do that for job, mate, you've massively got my, my endorsement. Because I think, you know, what you're doing with this show is fantastic. And I think one, one of your best features is you're modest. You almost undervalue yourself. But I think the work you're doing with First Man is freaking superb. As I said to you the other day, I'm kicking myself. I didn't start listening to stuff soon. It's freaking awesome. Especially that one I worked with software. It gave me, gave me goosebumps, right? Yeah. So you need to go down that path. That's if you've got time. Because what you're doing with the First Man channel is going to keep you super busy. Uh, but it's going to be freaking worth it. But if you've got time and you can do any one-on coaching, I think you'd be great at it. Anyway, enough blowing smoke up your ass, mate. Um, <laughs> back to the question. So, yeah, um, I think you, you've, got to, you've got to find your niche because one thing for me is the reason I've been successful in my job the last few years is because, remember I was talking about not having an emotional connection? Um, I kind of found my faith in my early 30s and part of that, with that came the ability to actually connect with people, realizing that actually a strong guy is physically vulnerable as well as physically powerful. It's not about walking around and saying, sharing your feelings all the time, but actually you need to be able to emotionally connect with people. And you can't do that if you're always just right. You know, there, there needs to be that level of just connecting with people on an emotional level. I think that's why Dwayne Johnson's so popular. Because he's very, very tough. He's very, very composed, but you feel like 
if you had to talk to him and tell him about a problem, he'd be your big brother. Yeah, yeah I and agree that, with that. that. So, I mean, and that's my, my energy. That is, that's the energy. My, my clients are my kids. But not only, not only are they my kids, but they're my, they're my little boys. And even if they're 50, 60 years old, they're, they're my little boys. And that's the relationship I have with them. Um, and, and I do it from a place of being the kid that was really lacking confidence and seeing guys physically powerful, carry themselves better, look and feel better. That gives me the buzz. That gives me way more than I get from my money. So because of that, that's what I specialize in because I can speak to that part of me that was able to change. So that gives you the extra power because you're speaking from a place of overcoming it yourself. Um, so I think, yeah, having a niche is, is massively powerful. And I think being able to relate to people and what they're going through makes you a way better coach. I mean, when I competed, I went through some seriously hard stuff physically and emotionally. I lost uh, a couple of relationships while I was getting ready to compete. Um, but it, it made me learn a lot about myself and the psychology and the rest of it and actually coaching people and, and understanding what they're going through with diets and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, so for me, I think it was looking a certain way, realizing that that was my brand. I am my brand and I need to focus on this and just freaking nail it. And, and that's kind of kind of what happened for me, really. So like most PTs, I started in the game and thought, yeah, we'll get loads of girls and you do a yeah. little bit and you train women and guys. But you may not always get great results because you're not passionate about it. So, when, But when you train someone you're passionate about, that comes across. They feel that, they, that you care about them. And because they feel like you're their big brother, they don't want to let you down. So that helps as well. No, I, I can appreciate that big time. Because I, I said to you the other day, I was looking at GQ. All of their articles are not... Like, they've got a woman's section on GQ now. Like, what? I'm so glad that you find an issue with this. Because I've spoken to a few people that's like, what's wrong with that? Trying to be, like, very left-wing. And I'm like, well, you can't have that on a men's website. It's called Gentleman's Quarterly. Like, it's made for men. Now you've got a whole woman's section. It just doesn't make sense, right? And then I saw Unilad and Lab Bible the other day. They were posting a lot of trans content, right? Which is like, it's fine if that's your brand. Like, I've got no problem with it. If there's trans people following First Man and they want to follow kind of our agenda and what we're pushing, happy to have you on board, you know? But when it's a, you know, when Lad Bible and Uni Bible were built for university students, mainly men, and their first couple types of content were like, this guy scores a screamer in his uni back garden. Do you know what I mean? It was like football stuff and this lad got drunk last night, slept with nine women, here's the picture. Like it was that sort of shit. Yeah. And then they start pushing this new agenda and all of their audience in the comments are like, this is, this is horrible, I'm leaving, I don't want to follow you. Like I was reading through them all and I'm inviting them all to first man. But, um, you know, just seeing that kind of vision that those brands had in the first place, just go to the wayside. Like Vice did it. Vice was like alternative news. Now they sound just like CNN and all the other ones. You know, they're just going down that same route. And they all kind of lose yeah. their agenda in exchange for more money. They want to like get bigger than they should. And I just think like sticking to that core audience, you know, when, when everyone's going that way and saying, okay, we're, you know, we're going to change our identity. I think that's when you double down. Like, especially with the men's industry being hit right now. And it's like, okay, you should be more female-like. You know, you should treat women better. You should do that. I think it's time to be like, let's double down on what makes, makes us masculine. Because every time I do yeah. a video like that and you're talking about like training people from that point of view, you get better results. It's almost like when you double down in that area, it kind of rewards you. And what the media is telling us com is completely wrong. And there's like this massive pool of men out there. I'd say billions of us that are kind of lost. And just, just like, well, we don't know where to go. You know, there's hashtag me too. There's all this other stuff. And it's like, 
what, what are we supposed to do? And I think just going back to that inherently masculine traits and just saying like, like for example, to keep it on topic, I'm a personal trainer. I'm only going to train men. I'm, I'm going to be open about that fact. I'm going to market myself as the most masculine fucker in the gym, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to push down that route and I'm going to make content around that too, you know? And I think yeah. that's a formula for success because I think being a real man has now become a small niche. It used to be, you know, for example, like a white man used to be the majority. And now it's like that kind of is becoming frowned upon so much that somebody like Trump is able to win elections because he was like, oh shit, there's millions of these guys in America who are feeling as though they're being ignored now. And the media is presenting it as if they're still at the top. But in reality, they're kind of like losing their jobs. You know, the coal mines are shut and et cetera. And Trump went, oh, I'll tap into that. And that's how he won. And I think all of us can do that same thing in life right now where we're like, this is specifically for men and men only. You know, like yeah. Gillette. Gillette are going down the kind of left-wing um, approach when they did that uh, razor blade campaign. Did you see that one? Um, I can't say I have, but I'm not sure. What yeah, it was really bad. Gone. Yeah, they were trying to say, oh, men, you don't have to be like this. You can be a bit softer, you know, and all this shit. And there were, men were in uproar. And you have to think that it was good for their overall PR, but it must have hurt their sales. It, ha it has to. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, they kind of blocked that out. And they're like, I'm being told by someone else to promote a certain agenda. And I think that, yeah, I think you're completely right, mate. I can really relate to it to make a to make a long story into a short point. <laughs> I went off on my own tangent then. I think, I think every word was valid though. It yeah. Needed yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll do a snippet. Yes. Um, I was going to ask you as well. So it gets to the point where you're training like the high performance clients, you know, you're making a lot of money. You're starting, you're able to reinvest and you start thinking of like bigger plans like everyone does. I feel like every personal trainer either wants to train celebrities or start their own gym or, or both together. Um, what made you think, okay, I'm ready now to start a gym or what was the kind of triggering point that got you from, you know, independent personal trainer to, you know, I could go on, I could, I could build this myself. I'm going to build my own outfit. I'm going to have my own gym. Um, you know, I'm going to go to this next, next level now. Something that's got, let's say, independent longevity. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'd like to say that the dream was always to own a gym that I built myself up and I got my body good. Then I increased my client base. Then I went to high end. Then I went to a gym. I, w I wish I could say something that linear that was clean. Yeah. Uh, but the simple fact is that it wasn't like that at all for me. Um, my brother actually has a very successful um, fitness company called Evolve in London. He owns two gyms, one Liverpool Street, where Blackfriars, great business. And predominantly body transformation. It used to be called Evolution. Interestingly, it used to be called Evolution of Man. And they branched out to men and women. They do male and female body transformation, which I think is cool, but that was the whole, they're now called yeah. Evolve. But that's their brand, it works really well. But before that, he had a gym called The Buzz Gym, and it actually sent him bankrupt. And I saw him for hours and hours a day in that gym, burnt out, sleep deprived, um, you know, fucking just looked like a state because he was stressed out because it wasn't working. He'd invested a load of money, gone wrong. And, and I kind of thought to myself, you know what, I never want to own a gym. I never want to, certainly for a starter, I don't want to invest all that money in all that stress. So I kind of left it. Um, a couple of years later, Tim and I and brother, basically we started a boot camp company and we were delivering boot camps around South London, Brixton Way, Croydon, et cetera, right in Clapham. Um, and it was okay, but we couldn't really make the business work. I think we were two generals trying to steer the ship perhaps in different directions. And we kind of fell out a bit business-wise and let it go. And he started his business. 
Um, and then I just focused on personal training. I thought, right, just do what you're good at, do what you love, and build that up. And I built it to a good level. Um, and it was actually more kind of um, a couple of things. One, which sounds a little bit kind of woo-woo, but I wrote a, a list on my computer, which a document that I put all my files in on my iPad, and it's called Life's a Beach 2020. Because my happiest times are in the sunlight. I'm, I'm like Aquaman. I mean, I get in the ocean. I instantly feel pumped. I feel strong. I found that recently iodine actually has an effect, and that's why you feel so euphoric. But when I'm in the ocean by the sea, I feel fantastic. And I decided inadvertently that in 2020, I was going to be living by the ocean. I had no idea how I was going to do it, um, but I just I want to be living by the ocean. I've been working underground in a gym all day long. And that's a whole other thing, the you know, SAD, lack of sunlight, being mixed race, not getting any sun, it really affected my mood. Um, and by the way, I suffered with D3, which everybody watching this should. D3 is the freaking bomb, and 4,000 IUs, you know, go strong. Um, but yeah, so I decided I was, I was going to kind of move to the beach. And then part of this whole lifestyle thing was I decided two years ago that once a month I'm going to have a, a long weekend holiday because I didn't take holidays for years. Once a month, we have a long weekend away. And I'm just going to make it work financially. And I decided to do that. And weirdly, I started making more money because I was taking my foot off the gas and I was putting across a better energy. And I actually, I met my business partner, Zoe, over here. Um, and she mentioned that the gym that I trained in, this old school 80s gym called Club Docchio, um, was up for sale. And she was looking at buying it, but she couldn't find the right business partner. And it was just like, okay. Um, and it was a bit of a weird one because we were kind of like, in a relationship, not in a relationship, bit of a, you know, an unusual one like that. It's like, our things going to get complicated if we go to business together? It can get very messy. Um, but I had, a, I had a, you know, had a bit of chat with her about it. I said, you know, screw it, let's do this. I want to be in the sun, let's give this a go. Um, her background as well is her dad used to play for England as a football player. Recently had a statue unveiled of him, um, a guy called Brendan Batson, incredibly inspiring guy. Funnily enough, um, one of the first black football players to segue into our race thing. Yeah, him and two other guys, Cyril Regis and Laurie Cunningham, used to be known as the Three Degrees. Um, and they had a 20-foot statue unveiled at West Bromwich recently, you know, to, uh, to kind of, like, respect them, really. Uh, but her background was in sports. So, yeah, it's just we kind of chilled, really, and we just thought, let's take this gym over. Um, and then here we are, the name Neo. Um, I, I wanted something short and uh, short, short and punchy. I kind of like the idea of three letters. Um Neo basically means new, it means improved, and I just thought, you know, it's a little bit, it's quite cool. Uh, the three lines stand for training, nutrition, mindset, which is what our brand's built around, because it's, you need those three things to be happy, healthy, and successful. Um, and, and yeah, here I am. No, it's awesome. I'm so happy for you, man. It's amazing. I've, I've considered building uh, gyms for First Man in the future. It's like Dan is one of my plans. Um, and it's going to be specific. I've got a problem with it though. You, I don't know what you think, but it's going to be specifically for men. So, you know, you've got like curves gyms for women. It's like a uh, women only gyms yeah. and stuff like that. I think it would be great to have like men's only gyms, but I, I look, like, grab all the cardio equipment, just throw it in the skip. Right. And just, <laughs> just say strong men equipment, you know, kind of get Eddie Hall to sponsor it, put strong man equipment in there, then put all the standard, like normal weights in there, the free weights, some of the machine shit, but then find stuff that's specific to men, you know, maybe even have like a five-a-side pitch at the back. Just, But my mm. only problem is that I feel like a lot of men go to the gym because there's women there. I feel like they won't get that same buzz to want to lift, but you might get the guys who are really serious about getting in shape. So uh, it's kind of okay, like so a trade-off. My, my, my answer to that is 
there's some of the best bodybuilder gyms I've been to because, again, like I say, I compete as a natural bodybuilder. really got into that whole lifestyle. Arnie was my role model growing up as a kid till he sold out. Uh, but we'll go. <laughs> um, no, he was my role model as a kid. Um, and I wanted to be a, a manly man. So I went to bodybuilding gyms. And I used to go to one called Ripped in Harlow, Essex. Um, and that was, you might get a few girls around, but mainly it was big, beefy guys lifted big weights. And I, I love that testosterone. In fact, for me, it was very much a rite of passage to go into a gym, see the freaking big, scary, no-neck monsters. And like, you know, if they let me work into a set and gave me a few pointers, I was like, you know? Yeah. So for me, actually, it, it was a rite of passage. You know, like when the Spartans in the 300 do the Yugogi, and they're surrounded by, by tough men fighting. You know what? I think I think we need that. And for me, going yeah. to Ritz, going to Muscleworks, going to a gym called Monsters, which if you've ever been there, it's an incredible gym. It's like this gigantic hangar, aircraft hangar, full of some of the machines that you've never seen. And it's got a picture of a green monster with his biceps like that on the logo. Is that in the UK? So you know, that's in the UK. Yeah, it's in. Um, trained it, um, I think. I think I watched a video with him in there. Um, yeah, it so. looks amazing. Yeah, I'd, I'd love I to build something so. like that. But I think when people build those type of gyms, they kind of do it with a specific strongman kind of vibe. Um, I think there's a lot of guys out there who are training for kind of vanity and aesthetics that would want maybe, yeah. you know, maybe there could be like a barber on site. Do you know what I mean? Like kind of combine different elements. So people go there, they train before a night out, they get a haircut, you know, they have a shower there, they get ready there. And then that way you don't have to leave your car anywhere or your keys or whatever. You can kind of like base there. You can maybe even have like hotel rooms on site, <laughs> like just something stupid, just kind of like a men's camp. I don't know. Yeah. Is it, it'll be, it'll be a weird one. I'll look into it, but yeah, it's kind of silly. Um, the other one I was going to ask you as well is that I was, I was looking today about the uh, lockdown. You know, we, I know we discussed it on that one that we lost the audio yeah. of. Um, but it looks as though gyms are going to be the last thing to open. So I was thinking, okay, we're all going to be back in the gym as of this month or next month, whatever. It looks as though they want to keep them closed. And some are saying all the way up till Christmas. Like number yeah. one, there might not be any gyms left in the UK after this. That might, it might be like a monopoly move. But number two, it's like if, if we're all going to be out of the gym for like another three, four, five, six months, how on earth are we supposed to like build muscle? Like how, you can't really replicate a deadlift. I mean, there's very few things you can do, right? I tell, I tell you, isn't it interesting that um, the places that men would traditionally call a home are dying out like yep. hugely over the world? Because I remember, if, you know, even though I've been into my training for years, I also love a beer. I love a good pint of real ale. I'm a member of camera. And you know what? You can have a six-pack year-round. And every once in a while, I've done it right where you can have a couple of beers. So I'm totally not against spending your whole life alcohol-free. I mean, you might have benefits to it, but you can have a beer on occasion and still look great. Um, point being is British pubs, they're dying out left, right, and center. So the places that men would traditionally go to, to get away from our indoors or you know, just kind of have a bit of time with the lads, they're disappearing. Some of them are turning in wine bars. The rest are just being wiped out. So your pub's yeah. gone. So then where else do you go? You go, to, you go to the gym to let out your frustration. And actually, talking about this whole aggression thing. So when you train, you get more testosterone. You get more aggressive. And, of course, the, the guys that um, you know, go out and commit the rapes and the violent murders, they do that because of the aggressive hormones. But you know what? The reason I've never – well, not, not a reason. Hopefully, there's many reasons why I've never gone out and committed a violent crime um, – but one of the main reasons that I've, I've never gone around and tried to pick fights with people, this, that, the other, is because I get all my aggression out in the gym. I get all my aggression out in the weights. And I walk in there 
And I walk in sometimes, I'm really well, I have a tough day, you know what? We'll deal with that later. I'm going to rep out some bench, I'm going to do some squats. I walk out there, I feel like a freaking million quid and my stress levels are low and I'm a lovely bloke because of it. If you took away my gym, oh, you know, you took away the ability to kind of just be with other men, just to vent your aggression, talk trash and all that kind of stuff, then you've got a problem. And I think that's a big part of the reason. It's gyms being taken away, but it's also the separation and those safe spaces for men to get together and just air their crap, and just which we all need to do, right? We need to do it. Um, so, yeah, it's worrying. And, and what's really worrying is, let's be honest, the people who are dying from this virus, um, all 15 of them, I shouldn't say that really, but no, um, the people that were dying from this virus from actual reasons that they died from it, not something else that they happened to have at the same time. Anyway, calm yourself, Steve. Yeah. Um, we'll get, the video will get banned. <laughs> the video will get banned. But the they, people I, I have dying, to stay away from it at the moment. It's annoying. Yeah, yeah but... Okay, we'll, we'll cut a bit. No, uh, I'll, I'll people, keep it in, but... <laughs> but the people that were dying from that generally were the elderly. They were the, the obese. Um, there were a few exceptions where they might have been very young or whatever. But on the whole, it's people that were elderly, obese, uh, basically have weakened immune systems. And what's the best way to build immune system? What's the main reason I started on this journey? To get to sort my health out, to become physically strong, not just muscles, but to have a strong immune system, not to be weak and frail and ill all the time. And that's exactly what I did. And that's exactly what I do for my clients. And I would suggest that through people not being able to get proper workouts in the gym, proper training, nutrition advice, coaching support, that there will be far more health issues and probably even deaths in the long run from other causes related to not going to that gym yeah. than they would have been you know, in a million years from, from COVID-19. So we, when, you're, when, when you can't go in the gym, what's the replacement? Is it just buy like a kettlebell? You know, maybe people haven't got that kind of money right now. Maybe they're out of work. Is it like pull-ups outside on the trees? Is it, you know, like um, the longest yard when the guy's bench pressing that bench, the actual bench, you know, the park bench? Because I've thought of doing that as well. It's like, there's only so many resistant bands exercises you can do, right? Before you're like, I just want to pick some shit up, some heavy shit and slam it around. <laughs> What's the saying? Necessity is the mother of all invention, right? So right now we have to learn to think outside the box because Jim's gone away. So we have to, you know, come up with new and funky ideas. It's kind of cool in a way. Um, but actually you've got to do your, your fundamentals. So the big word being compound. So you want to do, forget your biceps, triceps, just squat things. You know, find a freaking cement bag that the builder's left outside, put it in a carrier bag so it doesn't leak on you, put it in your shoulder with good form and do some squats. Put your girlfriend over your shoulder. Do some squats. If you've got kids, and do this in a safe way. I'm not talking Michael Jackson here, but maybe you can lock around, do some little shoulder press, or lie on your back, do a little chest press. As you say, bench press your sofa. As long as you do correct technique, it's about these big movements. So focus on your three mains. So upper body big pushing movements that work your chest, your triceps, your shoulders, stabilizing all the rest of it. Upper body pulling. So it might be a row, it might be a pull-up. is obviously your best movement. It could be a deadlift, just picking a big-ass awkward object off the ground with good technique or just doing a squat. So focus on your compound, big movements first and foremost. Um, other than that, I mean, there's, there's a plethora of stuff you can do at home. I, mean, I, I can send you some videos later that we created specifically for that, yeah, for the lockdown great. situation. But, I mean, that's the main thing. Focus on the fundamentals and just focus on maybe just doing higher reps. And actually, there are ways that you can make a workout more difficult. The obvious one that everybody thinks of is to add more weight. But what do you do when you can't add more weight? Okay, you need to make the muscle fibers work harder. 
Now, there's something called the all or nothing rule. So a bit of science here. But let's say I'm doing a bicep curl. While I'm lifting, say it's a 10, 15 kilo dumbbell, if I lift it up and down, I might just be doing that with 60% of my muscle fibers actually firing off. But if I stop at the top now and I pause for a couple of seconds and I slowly lower that down, I'm actually firing off more muscle fibers. So by doing a slower repetition, you work more in the muscle fibers and you're able to get a more full workout. So if you're at home and you're used to squatting normally 100 kilos and you've only got your 50 kilo girlfriend on the shoulder, then you know what? You go down slow. You get nice and low. You go four seconds down and you slowly go up. You do your reps slow and you do a few more and you get just as much burn. And actually, you know what? Because you're using a different stimulus, it might actually be beneficial for a few months. Yeah, I was actually doing these slow motion um, squats when all this first happened. But, I've just, you know, it's just like, how can I do this every day? I'm just bored, bored shitless. Yeah. So I started doing more sprints yeah. and stuff. And uh, I find when you do the nice. same exercise every day, you get a few injuries. But my legs were just growing like crazy. And they were just body weight, slow motion squats. It was like five or 10 yeah. seconds down, five, 10 seconds up. And the amount of pain, even after like 10 reps, just agonizing. You, the one thing that we spoke about last time was... Um, you, you were talking about how you reckon there's going to be a ton of personal bests off the back of this. That was really interesting. You know, it kind of provides a bit of optimism as to, you know, we're being held back from training right now, but when we come back, you know, it could be an opportunity to like hit the ground running. Ex- explain that. Yeah. Explain that again. Well, I'm going to go off a little bit of a tangent here, but there was a guy that I used to know called Matt who works in my gym. And he was, he was your typical personal trainer who was skinny as a rake, who really didn't look like the part, but good God, did he know stuff. And I'd be sat out the um, back of the PT room after, after a hard session, and I'd be listening to the classical music between sets, and I'd be eating my food and just chilling the crap out. And he'd come up to me and go, that's very parasympathetic. And I'm like, you what? Very parasympathetic. And he's talking about your nervous system, right? So it's just as important to push, or I should say just as important to actually to sleep, to relax, to chill, to trick out, as it is to actually push, push hard. And it's when you get the balance that you get massive gains. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen pumping iron, right? I'm sure, I know you have, Chris, where they're, yeah. they're laying around, they're lounging in the sunlight between and eating food between workouts and they're just proper chilled out. You know what? You grow when you rest. You grow when you sleep. And there's a hormone, and I've got to freaking learn the name of this because I, I know the science, but I can't remember the name of the hormone. You, you'll probably know it because you're a you're pretty uh, clever guy and stuff. But there's that hormone that can either be used for testosterone or can be used for cortisol, stress hormone. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Was, it, was it, it DHT screen. that we spoke about? It, it probably was. It the, might be DHT. DHT yeah, yeah, it probably was. But the point is your body only has so much of it. It can only make so much of it. And if you're stressed out all the time, then guess what? You're not producing testosterone. If you're not producing testosterone, as your guys mentioned the other day, you're not building that muscle. Um, so making sure you relax properly between sets, making sure you keep your stress levels low um, is, is, a, is a massive part of that. And I can't even remember the original question now. I've gone off from a little magical mystery talk. I, mate, I lose it every time. I, every single guest that I get on this podcast, they're like, oh, what was it that we're talking about? Sorry, I went off on a tangent. I'm like, I, I have no idea, man. <laughs> I just get I'm, I'm a fan of first man. That's the problem. I'm not... You know, if I eventually yeah. want to get a team to monitor everything, I might be, I, I don't know, I don't want to lose that organic authenticity. I just kind of want to be, you know, just sit there like a fan yeah. and just be like, Steve, you've got big muscles, teach me. You know, I think that's is important to do. <laughs> um, we got to touch on Thor, man. We've got to touch on his deadlift. You know, we spoke about yeah. it last time. It's, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit uh, belated now, but... 
501. Do you think he did it? There's question marks. It is. Um, I'd like to think he did. Yeah. I'd like to think he did. I, 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 I suspect that he did do it. I suspect he did do it. I mean, if I looked at, look at the weights he was pulling a couple of years ago, and we look at his age, how old is he? Is, was he, is he mid-20s, late? I thought he was 30? close to 30. Yeah. I thought he was like he might be. Either way. Yeah. But that's peak. Either way. Yeah, I mean, either way, he's young. He's, in, he's still in that age where your growth hormones are freaking pumping out left, right, and center, and you're, you're getting stronger by the minute. Um, he was a monster two years ago, pulling four sixties, four seventies for one or two reps in competition. Um, I think if he put all his energy focused into doing the deadlifts, I'm not sure if Eddie Hall did. I don't think Eddie Hall said that the road to a 500 kilo deadlifts. I think he just carried training, trained as he would, um, and then when it's competition and just pulled it because that was his exercise. Yeah. Um, but I think if Eddie Hall just said, you know what, I'm going to go on a road to 520. You know, and, and put a year into just doing that, he, pro- he probably would have done it. So I think, you know, I think, yeah, I think putting all his energy into that, given where he was at and the genetics, the assistance that he's taking and all the rest of it, um, I'd, I'd say he probably did do it. But I also agree with Eddie Hall's um, counterattack, which is, you know what, mate, it's all well and good doing it surrounded by your yes men in your own environment, but... Doing it in competition is a very different kettle of fish. There's all different strains mentally, physically. So, you, you know what? He, he should do it in competition. That said, he's not going to go against Eddie Hall now because Eddie's lost the weight that would allow him to lift that weight. Yeah. He'd have to, he'd have yeah, to take it to for it. And, and so will Thor yeah. as well because of the boxing. But you made a really good point. Yeah. You said that he put on something. He put on a lot of weight before this lift. And we all know that when you get, you get heavier, it's easier to lift. It's way easier to lift. So... Um, but in terms of the boxing, you know, you, you mentioned yes men. That really worries me when it comes to Thor because I think boxing isn't a, isn't a neither is, you know, strongman, but I don't think boxing is a sport where you can have yes men. You know, someone's, someone that tells you you're good when you're not because that's when you get hurt. You know, you could step in there and everyone's like, oh, yeah, they're telling me that I'm the best boxer he's ever seen. And it's like, buddy, you're going to get hit. You're going to get hit hard by a man that even if he tickles you, he could knock you out, you know. So, what, how do you think the fight's going to go? I just I worry about that yes man camp of Thor's. I just think that's trouble. You know, all these guys around him telling him he's great. Like, oh, that's that's worrying. I'd rather somebody tell me like your left hand's dropping. You're going to get caught. You're going to get knocked out. Watch out. But I think he's going to get told you're great. You're the best. You're the big guy. You know, I I, I say yeah. Eddie Hall wins that because of his background as well. Well, I mean, we all love Rocky, right? Yeah. If we don't. <laughs> I love Rocky. We have to examine ourselves. What a freaking <laughs> film. <laughs> okay. I believe um, when the great man Apollo Creed got beaten by Ivan Drago, he was surrounded by yes men. We've all seen the famous montage where Rocky's training and he's training in the dirt. He's training in the grit. He's got, you're going to eat lightning and crap thunder. You know, you're going to be greasy fast. Mickey's got him freaking chasing chickens and shit like that to get freaking fit. Whereas Apollo's got like his yes men, he's doing all his shows and he's got his hat on and he's gotten soft. And yes men freaking killed him. And then, you know, had it not been for that, you know, he might have done all right. He might have, you know, stood a good chance with Drago and we all know how that one ends. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it's, it's almost a mirroring of that. But the reason I actually said the yes men thing about Thor is because I don't believe everything I see on YouTube, right? But I saw a whole thing about how Eddie and Thor had fallen out. And it was very much around the a, a world's strongest man. It might have been 2018, 2017, uh, the year that Eddie won. I think it was 2018, actually. I might be wrong. 
Um, and you see it. So Eddie goes to shake Thor's hand after he's just won, and Thor's, I think, comes second, and Thor just whacks his hand away. I don't want to know. Yeah, I did really see that, yeah. You know, and you watch the whole video, and it shows the training and this, that, and the other. And he was in every single decision the judges made, he was attesting it. He was saying, no, no, no. And he's, yes, man, we're trying to bully the judges into saying, no, no, you got that lift, you got that lift. And it was all, very, it all seemed very unsportsmanly. Now, I know there's all two, always two sides to every story, but he had a big old crew following him around and literally, you know, wiping his face and this, that, the other. And it just, yeah, I think if you've got that getting ready for this fight, you know, he needs to go into that dark place. And Eddie Hall said this. He said, in his video, he said, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go in that dark, nasty, horrible place. And he said, you know what? I'm going to be there for, and you need to come meet me there. And if Eddie does, and he goes into a nasty old gym in Stoke-on-Trent, if he's still there, you know, gets amongst it with the tough Northern bastards, you know, gets himself the Northern answer to Mickey, then uh, he's going to eat lightning in that shit thunder. I just see a real problem, like you said, with those yes men. I just think, I've seen a few interviews where, you know, it's it's almost too biased. You know, in football or sports, when somebody makes a point and you're like, you can't really believe that. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And they make it like when people say Alex Ferguson was a bad manager. You know, you're like, you just hate Man United. What you, like, you can't make that point. I see that with yeah. Thor. Like, they'll say, oh, what do you think about Eddie Hall's fight? This was before he did his 501. It was, what do you think about Eddie Hall's 500 kg deadlift? And the guys around him would be like, I want to go first on this. I've got a few complaints with this. And I was like, okay, what, what are these complaints? And it was like he was using his own bar from home, you know, and it was real stupid points. And I was like, you know, the judges let him do weaker lifts. It was just like some stupid shit where you're like, that doesn't even make sense, you know, especially the bar. You're like, well, is it the same weight? Yes. Then what's the problem? Like, does it have superior grips, like kind of, um, you know, the cage grips that you can use for deadlift sometimes? Like, did, did it yeah. have one of those? No. It was like, well, what's the, what's the point? Like, what's the problem? And they were just making these stupid points. And it was like, they're, they're kissing his ass 24 seven. They're just telling him he's the best. Yeah. They're trying to make shit up to frame it. And you just think boxing's mm-hmm. the wrong sport to be doing that in. Because as soon as yeah. you step in there with somebody who actually knows, like if 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 Eddie dedicates as much as he did to let's say swimming, which he's also a superstar at, you know, which is a similar kind of cardio based sport, he's gonna hurt him. He's gonna hit him very yeah. fucking hard. He's gonna hurt him, and I I just don't see Eddie Hall quitting. I just don't think he's got any quitting him. And I think Thor's gonna yeah. have that rude awakening where it's like. You, you know those guys that grew up where they didn't, they didn't get beat by their mums and dads. You know, they didn't ever get told off. They're, maybe they didn't have a dad around. Maybe they didn't have an older brother. And they kind of walk around going, don't fight me when I get angry. And you're like, shut up. Shut up. Because you know, when you get hit and you get that sting and you hear that ring and your whole brain's just going and it's all rattled. You know, you get that question in your mind, which is, do I run? Do I stay? Do I, should I fight back? Should I give up? Should I cower? And I just don't think Thor's ever had one of those moments in his life. I think he's always been the big guy. Everyone's always like sucked his dick metaphorically. I just think it's a big problem. I could be wrong. He doesn't seem like a bad guy, but you know, I think that's going to be a problem. Am I right in thinking that Eddie Hall used to work as a doorman as well? Isn't that something he did at one point? Yeah, he did. And he grew up in Stoke. You know, you're seeing some shit when you grow up in Stoke. As tough as Iceland is, I feel like they're nice people. Stoke, you know, it's it's, it's nasty. It's a nasty place. You can get a slap for just saying the wrong word. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very old school. I think going back to, um, there's again, I love chucking all these sayings out, but everyone's got a plan until they get hit. Yeah. I can't remember who said that. It might be Muhammad Ali or someone, but it's a great Tyson, thing about boxing. 
Come up with Tyson, yeah. Everyone's, yeah, so everyone's got a plan until they get it. And I think that's it. He can have a plan and he, he can be in, well, you know, in training, he can be doing all the right stuff. But you're right. If he's not willing to emotionally be take, you know, be toughening himself up, if he's not willing to, to get the wax enough in training, if he's not willing to get beat the crap down, then he's not going to be calloused. You know, he needs to basically, what's it? David Goggins again says, callous your mind. Yeah. Because he went through some really tough crap. You know, he endured some insane stuff with the Navy SEALs, but he calloused his mind, which meant if his mind was there, his body was as strong, then there's no stopping him. And I think, you know what? I think Eddie Hall, I think his lifestyle has already calloused his mind. I think he's been through, he's been through the freaking valley, you know? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Just, um, just as a final thing, just so we could sign off. Um, because I think we're, I think we've gone over an hour now. I like to keep it around about an hour. I feel like, yeah, it's like optimi- uh, like the optimized time for podcasts. I find um, it flies by, doesn't it, mate? Absolutely, flies really by. does. It's like you cover three topics. But if anybody's yeah. trying to be a personal trainer now, you've got a young lad out there, and he's he's heard your story, he thinks, wow, it's amazing. That's where I want to be. He's the size I want to be, etc. What are kind of like the three things that you would advise him to do, and then the three things you would say to avoid so he doesn't make those mistakes? Sorry to put you on the spot. I'll give you some thinking time. Okay, so first one I'm going to say, it may not necessarily be in the right order, but one thing, um, I had a friend who's, he probably still is a little bit overweight, but he's about four or five stone overweight. Now, because he was four or five stone overweight and he, he was a personal trainer, he didn't want to post anything on social media. And relatability is so powerful. People, the reason people like getting going back to Rocky again, is because you see him down in the ditches and you see him coming back and winning against all odds, right? So if you're a fat bloke and you want to get into personal training, start documenting the journey through social media as a fat bloke and let people see the transformation because then they can get behind you. They can follow you. You're not a guy who's got amazing genetics. So you're not just some bloke who's always been ripped. It's been easy. Let them see the journey and build rapport. So again, it's that vulnerability creates connection. Just be freaking real about it. Show people why you're really doing it because people can smell bullshit a mile off, right? They really can. And just be freaking vulnerable, document the journey. Um, second thing, yeah, just begin, practice what you preach. I mean, Garnet said, be the change you want to see in the world, right? When it comes to freaking body transformation, if you're trying to tell people they want to look a certain way, you need to be doing everything that you're talking about, diet, training, nutrition. And if you're documenting the journey and then you show a result, you've got massive credibility. So you've done those two things. Um, third one I'd say is probably, probably pick your niche pick a niche work out the people that you're passionate about training and just really focus on that you can be in, in all things to do with people and there are people that are very successful at doing that but really the ones that pick their niche and they're known for something they're, they're nailing I mean I guess the biggest name in, in fitness uh, would right now probably be Joe Wicks yeah um, and he's gone, he has gone for the lowest common denominator but Guys like me and you, not in a million years are we going to do a Joe Wicks workout. We discussed it's, it's this not before, a- didn't we? We said that yeah. we have no, we're not sexist, but we have no interest in training women. And we both no. said this before when we were, uh, I think it was like a, two years ago, wasn't it? Or a year ago. It's like we, I, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't get excited about, oh, I've got a client today. She wants to do some squats. I'd be like, well, you know, doesn't get me off my seat. And that doesn't make me a bad person. It's just I relate more to men. And I, I'd, I'd prefer to see a guy go from, a two out of 10 to like a seven out of 10 from my training and massive confidence. Yeah. I'd be like, that gets me out of bed in the mornings. Well, there we go. There we go. And you know, and around that whole thing, of, you know, um, Joe Wicks was very successful nailing a massive niche. Okay. 
most people ain't going to do that. Everyone's trying to do what Joe Weeks is doing. Yeah. Go for a smaller niche. Go, go for, for prime example, my brother's um, doing a dad bod thing. So he's targeting guys from 20 to 35 who've had kids that have gotten a dad bod because of the lifestyle and then he can speak to their pain point. He can speak about the nights of you know, lack of sleep and not being able to prep your meals perhaps like a single guy like me could. And he can really speak to them on that level. And, and, and that's his market. You know, somebody else might go to, you might go for the old school bodybuilding guys that want to um, get that Arnold physique, but it's, it's quite a small one. But if you do it well, that could be your niche. Um, you might go for the guys that are in their 60s that just want to get their movement and vitality back. And that's your niche. But pick a niche and make sure it's one that you can speak to on a personal level so you've got credibility and just freaking just, just ground it out. Just be consistent. And I think it will pay dividends in the end. That's amazing. What about the three things you'd avoid? So the mistakes early on that maybe you did or you see other trainers do that you would say, look, this is going to fuck your brand up early on. If you avoid these, you're going to accelerate a lot quicker. Number one, time for money. Selling time for money. You're not a prostitute. <laughs> you know what? You're really not. Um, the, the guy that says... Like if you speak to a personal trainer, and I, always, I like this question. I say, now, what do you charge? What are your packages? And he says, well, I'll do a block of five sessions for this many, and I'll do a block of 10 sessions this many. How long session? Session's one hour. Okay, great. So he's going to have the conversation with the client. He's going to sit them down, and he's going to say, would you like five sessions, or would you like 10 sessions? How much is 10 sessions? Is a, a grand, five sessions, whatever. It's too much money. You're not selling time. You're not selling time you're selling the benefits so learn to really communicate the benefits of the client but the way you do that is actually through listening more and speaking less ask the right questions get the client to sell themselves to you on why they need you to change their life right now and sell them a solution to that problem so yeah that's got to be number one i love that number two yeah yeah so i don't know if that was a thing to do or not to do but i think yeah we're time for money that was it Okay, yeah. so yeah, that, that's got to be number, number one. Yeah. Um, number two. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, things not to do. Oh. You just don't make many mistakes, Steve. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only, if only. Um, okay, in fact, I, I've made plenty of mistakes. So I've got, got to speak about those. Um, if you're training girls, don't sleep with your clients. Yeah. Or even if you're... If, if you, Guys training guys in your game, don't sleep with your clients, but just just don't do it. Don't be the personal trainer, walks around the gym, hands on a crutch, what you're saying, girl, you know, yeah. walking up to the pools and just chatting them up. It's, it's embarrassing for me if I'm working in the gym with you as a fellow trainer. Yeah. Um, it makes us look bad and work gets around quickly and it, it makes you, it's, very, it's just very unprofessional and people won't respect that. You might get laid in once in a while, but you won't build a serious business. You need to treat it as a professional business and I think a lot of trainers don't do that. I, I've actually seen around practicing what you preach. I saw a personal trainer once in Brixton and I kid you not, he sat on a leg extension machine in the gym eating a bag of McDonald's oh, in the gym. Jesus. In uniform. So, yeah, I can't even remember what my original point is that's popped up. But yeah, so um, don't don't try shagging your clients. Basically, be be professional. Yeah. Um, so, number three things to avoid. Oh. The thing. Okay, avoid. 
It's not really an avoid, but don't be afraid to do stuff for free. So a lot of people get very up their own backside. They're like, you know what? I'm better than this. Yeah, I don't need to give out. Yeah, I don't need to give out free sessions. You know, I, I, I want to get paid for being here. So I sit around all day long trying to sign up clients and not get them. You know what? One of the best, it's not so much an avoid, but it's probably more of a tip to actually do. The first thing I do when I go to any gym or used to is I would literally speak to all the people that run a gym, the receptionists, the front of house people, the sales staff, and give them all a free PT session. Because if that member of sales staff is walking around the gym and he's just, he or she's had a great personal training session with you and they go, oh, you know, the legs are, you know, you had a great training session with Steve or Chris, whatever, then you're the first name on their lips. And these are the first people people speak to. So you're just going to get business because the word will get out that you're that go-to guy. Um, so, so that's what it is. Just make sure, don't be afraid to give away free stuff. If you see someone on a treadmill, walk up to them, grab them off a treadmill. Um, you know, you, you walk up to them, how are you doing? They're going to have the headphones in. So I'll just give you a little tip if I'm there. I've gone off and run a bit. Yeah, but yeah. Like, one of my tips, I call it an Instacop. Works the treat. Nobody does this. You walk past the treadmill. People have got their headphones on. They're doing cardio. You go, how are you doing? And they'll, they'll kind of go to take their earphones out. But if you just stay there talking to them, it's going to be get very awkward. You say hello. Then you walk along to the next person. So the next person sees you walking along. So they've already taken their earphones out. How's the workout going? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's all going good. Blah, 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 blah. Get a chat going. What are you training for? I'm training to lose weight. You say, oh, awesome, awesome. So what are you doing for that? I'm just doing cardio. Oh, great. So you're doing cardio. You're doing weights. You're doing nutrition. Of course, they're not doing weights. Of course, they're not doing nutrition. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not really. Should I be doing that? But listen, I'll tell you what. Just that cancellation. Uh, come with me and I'll show you a few little bits. And you get them in straight away. Yeah. Straight in. Put it in Instacom. Listen, I've only got 10 minutes. Again, game stuff, but it works for, for PC magically. I've only got 10 minutes, so I've had a client just cancel. So what we're going to do, I'm going to not, can I show you, would you like to do a few minutes? No, you take command. People in the gym are freaking scared. They're very out of comfort zone. And when you realize that, you've got the power. Listen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly show you 10 little bits. What's one area you really want to train? And just go into that. You show them a little bit, build rapport, get them signed up. That's it. Do you know what, mate? Even if I, even if you did that now, like now that you've said to everybody that you do this, even if I knew and you did that to me, I'd be like, but fuck, this guy's still saying that he's willing to give an hour of his time, whether it's a cancelled client or not, whether he's lying, I'd be like, still an hour of his time, he's willing to give me to train me for free, knowing that I could be like, yeah, fuck off, mate, I'm only in town for one night. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It could... And you just think to yourself, wow, that kind of reciprocation, it goes a long way. And I, I honestly yeah. think people should do this in every industry. It, like whenever I've done consultancy for like the hedge funds that I've worked with, the financial companies, um, whenever I talk to people generally on a daily basis, I'm like, what's your business? What do you do? And I'm like, have you ever given it away for free? Um, no, I don't want to do that. We're like we want to make money. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But have you ever given it away for free? They're like, yeah, but we can't really give away what we do for free. I'm like, everything can be free. Everything. Like, for example, the yeah. streaming platform, by the time we release this, when it's first properly built, I would probably say just the streaming platform alone, never mind running costs that go on outside of that, but just investment into the streaming platform, is probably going to be close to 60, 70,000 with travel, cameras, you know, paying for the platform to be built, all this shit added up, everything, the amount of time I've invested, it might be 60, 70 grand. The first six months will probably be free. I'll probably leave it free because I'll be like, the amount of people we get signed up, if 100,000 guys go on there and go, this is fucking amazing, how is this free? And then they go and tell another 10 guys each. You know, when you start charging three pounds, you, you might have like half a million people on there. 
Like it's going to be incredible. Yeah. And I'll never go higher than three pounds. So the trade-off will be three pound a month or, you know, th- like 30 pound a year versus my investment, early investment of 60, 70 grand. Then a continued investment of those profits going back in the company. You know, the trade-off is I'm asking for barely anything and I'm putting everything in. So, you know, that kind of, I'll, I'll put more in than you're having to give me. And I, 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 honestly, everybody should do it in every industry, but the same with personal training, 100% personal training. I, I would make that yeah. one of my goals to do one month where I was profitable, a month where I maybe broke even, a month where I was profitable, a month where I broke even, or even do it in like a yearly sense where yeah. you just had maybe a whole month where you're just like, I'm going to make sure that I give away more than I earn, if that makes sense. So, and then the next month yeah. is like, I'm not going to do any of the free shit. I'm going to make money. I'm going to build, grow, do my marketing, etc. But the next month be like, I'm going to break even, make my balance. And then the leftover bit that I'd usually make, all that is going to be free. I'm going to hold a free class on this date. I'm going to free seminar. I'm going to do a free this. I'm going to do a free men's webinar where I teach them about testosterone, you know, and just commit. And then next month you make your money or you do it year by year. You know, but so many people are like, how do I make money? And I think the second you do that, you fuck up. You fuck at whatever you're doing, you fuck up. Because people know, people know where it's coming from. You can tell. Mm. You can tell when someone makes money. Something I've just got to say around that, because again, I, I mentioned earlier, I've mentioned Gandhi, I've mentioned Martin Luther King. Um, and how were those people able to affect so much change? One of the key things was, is that, People knew that they cared. They showed that they cared, right? So as a personal trainer, as, as, as the commander-in-chief in First Man, which is going to, as far as I can see, is going to end up being a freaking movement. It's going to change a lot of people's lives. And I'm so excited to be a part of that, dude. Of people, you know, Thank you, man. Really excited. Um, but as commander-in-chief of First Man, dedicated to helping men get their confidence, respect, all of this, the things we're going to change in, the, in people's bodies and help men be men again, if you from the off said, look, I want to help men, but I'm not going to give you any information on that. I'm not going to give you any useful tips. Um, I just want your money. You lose all integrity because the fact is you're doing it because you're passionate about the cause. And people that are passionate about the cause want to tell people what they're passionate about. They want to spread the word. And then it gets to a point where you want to grow the cause, so you have to take money for it. But it's almost like I kind of don't want to take your money, but to build this freaking machine that we're doing that's going to make a difference i've got to take your money it's not yeah. like as opposed to uh, give me your money and yeah i'll, I'll help you yeah you know? that, that makes sense because that's like i i want to run this for free forever like in a dream world i'd love to just run it for free but it's like guys if you want this to be even better than this and provide the stream platform be as big as we want it to be it's like uh, we'll give you 90 percent for free and then ask for 10 percent back in return but then the reinvestment is going to be like 90 percent on our part so and uh, yeah, I think it should be the same in any business where you, you, should, you should provide so much value that you don't feel ashamed to ask for some in return. I think that's pretty pretty good note to end on, actually. Write that down. Yeah, that's, nice. I don't think I can remember that. <laughs> give more than you get. I've got that on my screensaver on my phone, actually. I've written down the words, give more than you get. That's it. Yeah, it's, it's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy. You just, you just abide by that law. Whatever you do, you'll always win. You'll always come out on top. Um, I think we'll end it there, mate. I think we've gone over well over an hour, which is, you know, it's fantastic. It's always great to see you. Um, it's right, nice right. to hear your journey. It's good to see that the gym's up and running and getting clients um, after the pandemic. And I think it's only going to go onwards and upwards, mate. So thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate your time. And like I said, it's great to see you, mate. Absolute pleasure. Thanks again, mate. And uh, just can't 
can't wait to see the next phase of this uh, channel. Thank you, buddy. I'll be out to see you soon. I'll travel out to Spain. We'll do um, the, the guy I was on the podcast with yesterday. Um, yeah. He said he wants to come out to Calpe and do a couple videos and stuff, and we'll shoot some shit. So, yeah, I thought we could do all three yeah. of us doing like a relay type challenge where like yeah. we carry something heavy as fuck from one end of the beach to the other, and we just kind of help each other out, do like a, I don't know, we could do something. We'll make it up. Okay. Make it up. All right, mate. I'll see you soon. Cheers, Steve. See you, mate. Thank you, mate.